Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. When Ryan Leong woke up intubated in the ICU following open heart surgery, he made a promise to challenge himself both physically and mentally every single day after that so that he could stay as far away from that hospital bed as possible. Now Ryan calls himself a recovering triathlete and blames his poor friend choices and this internal drive for taking him across several of the channels in Hawaii where there's plenty of warm, clear water to be swum. Be sure to check out the pictures of Calvin, the silky shark, who accompanied them for nearly eight hours on one of their recent attempts at MarathonSwimStories.com. I hope you enjoy Ryan's story. Ryan, thanks for being my guest today. What's your story? Well, I appreciate you having me. And um, I, you know, we chatted a little bit briefly before, but as I said, it's you know, it's really neat to be on here. And, and I took an opportunity to take to, to listen to a few of your other guests that have been on your podcast and got to tell you, it's a little intimidating. You've got some of the legends on there. <laughs> you know, I was, I was listening to Dean Summers one. I saw you had Catherine Breed on there and, you know, you really have some, some stellar guests come on. So thanks for having me. But um, my swim story, I think is, is, I, it seems kind of kind of generic, at least starting out. I grew up as a swimmer and a water polo player early on, started swimming uh, an age group swimmer when I was young, seven, eight years old, and just kind of progressed along that uh, along that path until I found water polo. And I'm pretty inherently lazy and don't didn't really necessarily like swimming and found water polo to be a whole lot of fun because it was a bunch of sprinting and Honestly, when I was a swimmer and a, a competitive swimmer, I was a drop dead sprinter. 50, 100, that was it. Couldn't imagine doing anything more than 100. <laughs> 100 was, was way too long. That was distance for me. And yeah, and now I find myself, you know, just, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of interesting where you find yourself as you age and you, you progress along the way. So yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah I just, I, I started out as, as just, you know, your typical age group swimmer. Um, kind of burnt out of it after the, after the high school years, never really swam in college, never played water polo in college, just did some things for fun. Um, got into coaching, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I enjoy, I, I think I know you coach as well and, and help people uh, with their experiences um, for, for long distance swimming. And I've always coached swimming. I coach collegiate water polo. I've, I've coached uh, triathlon and adults. And now I find myself helping people who want to swim channels here in Hawaii. And I think, um, having that experience of seeing people who are new to the sport, have some success, push their limits, do things they haven't, um, uh, never thought possible was, is something that's really gratifying to me and helps me kind of experience it again through their eyes. And that, that, that helps to motivate me. Mm-hmm. But my journey to endurance was kind of, kind of an interesting one because I'd never really had any interest in it whatsoever. I was a, like I said, a sprinter. Uh, when I was swimming and playing water polo and I used to enjoy surfing. I used to spearfish and be in the ocean and spent quite a few years uh, away from any structured sport, but had uh, a health scare and a health problem uh, with my, with my heart. And it, it was, it was a congenital birth defect that if left untreated, probably it likely would have, would have, would have caused me some problems and, you know, maybe even, um, uh, ended my life early. And so that took about six months to diagnose when I was in my late twenties. Um, my, uh, symptoms or, well, I grew up with symptoms, but when you, when you grow up with them to me, I didn't know that it wasn't normal. Right. So for, for me, it was, I had a rapid heartbeat then it would go irregular. I'd get tired afterwards. I would always think I was out of shape compared to everyone else because I would, I, 
I just didn't have any stick or hold when I would try to go longer and hold a harder pace for a longer period of time. So I thought, oh, I'm just out of shape. I'm lazy. I'm a sprinter mm. kind of thing. And so you grow up with that. And I really didn't know any different. Yeah. And one night when just playing recreational volleyball with um, um, some friends and um, my, my wife, who I was dating at that point in time, I had one of those episodes and my, I couldn't get my heart to slow down. It was just racing out of control going irregular. And I'm just telling you, yeah, just leave me alone. I'll be fine. Let me take a few deep breaths. We'll get it under. It, it'll go back to normal. And my wife being smarter than I am said, no, this isn't normal. Dragged me to the ER. They poked and prodded at me for, for a while, kept me overnight and then said, okay, don't get your heart rate up. And we need to figure this. It took them about six months. Wow. And, and I ended up needing open heart surgery for it. And it was um, my left main art, um, um, uh, coronary artery took a U-turn plug back into pulmonary circulation. So my heart as a muscle wasn't getting oxygenated blood. Wow. And so it was a congenital birth defect Thought we had the problem fixed. And later on down the road, well, that kind of helped me get into endurance because when I came to in the ICU after having open heart surgery, and I've got a tube down my throat. I've got tubes sticking out of my neck for drainage. I, I've got, I'm hooked up to every machine imaginable. And I just thought to myself, boy, I, I don't, I want to do everything in my power not to be back here again anytime soon. Wow. And yeah. part of that was to hopefully live a healthier lifestyle. So at that point, I kind of, I made a, a conscious promise to myself that I would choose to challenge myself both physically and mentally every day and just very simple, but making that choice right there. And that mental challenge was, uh, that was that I didn't quite grab onto that as much as I did the physical side of things, mm -hmm. <laughs> but work usually took care of that or solving a puzzle or doing something, but that, that was pretty easy to, to do every day. But then the physical side of things, that challenge becomes exponential. You start with one thing and then you move to the next and you move to the next. And pretty soon the, the one the day before wasn't, isn't necessarily the challenge anymore. So mm -hmm. it's a slippery slope that you go down. And mm -hmm. from there, I ended up paddling canoes. Um, so I, I paddled the Molokai channel a number of times on a one man, on a six man, I did it on a sailing canoe. Um, I entered a marathon with no, with no business entering a marathon. Um, I did some other things like that. I, I, I watched the Ironman on TV too many times and decided, you know, I'm going to sign up for that and called a buddy of mine and said, Hey, let's sign up for an Ironman. And he said, sure. He called me on it. So I was stuck there, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had a bit of an Ironman journey. So I'm, I'm kind of a recovering triathlete now trying to, <laughs> trying to get away from that sport. Um, and through that all, I found myself in the endurance swimming world. And really, I know, I know you interviewed, um, uh, Stefan Ranke and he was my first kind of contact, uh, with that endurance swimming world. And really when I started triathlon, I had no idea what I was doing. So I found a group that I could train with and he was coaching that group. And so we met each other through that. He recognized that I was a swimmer. Of course he was a swimmer. So we would spend time training together, uh, for swims and triathlon and that sort of thing. And then it just progressed as I became less enamored with Ironman and the cor how corporate it's become and how planned those events are. And, you know, he, he had found the endurance marathon swimming world and he blames it on me partially. <laughs> I think uh, you said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure he oh, did. That's right. You were the one that told him about Antoine. <laughs> and he said he did that with you, if I remember correctly. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> I'd forgotten. I'm embarrassed to say, but we were, we were both in North Dakota together. <laughs> He's forgettable. Let him, let him believe that. <laughs> otherwise, I don't want to get his ego to get too big. <laughs> I'm but. pretty afraid of everybody when it comes to not being on the other side of a computer screen. So <laughs> I probably was hiding behind a tree until they said, go. And then I just got in the water. <laughs> sure. Sure. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, so Enwet was this, I was looking at triathlon, other triathlons other than Ironman. And they also put on this one called Wilderman, mm -hmm. which is, or it's a, a full distance triathlon, but it's out there mountain biking and that kind of thing. And they also produced Enwet. Yeah. And I said, and I said, Oh man, look at these idiots. They swim 30 plus miles down a river. 
<laughs> and he signed up for it. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then he went and he actually did it. And since that point in time, he's been one of the biggest champions for, for open water swimming. And that started his journey, which by poor friend choices and so forth, me hanging out with him, you kind of get sucked into it. I never wanted to be a channel swimmer. I never envisioned being a marathon swimmer. It just sort of happened. And we have a good group of friends that we train with relatively often. I'm sure he mentioned them. Um, it's a, it's a mostly fictional, pretty insignificant little group that we call the all want to beat swim club. And they made me the president of it. <laughs> because I dislike swimming at all I want to beach so much. Um, it's, it, it, it really is a beautiful stretch of water and, but it's, it's, it's salt water, but it's not open water <laughs> to mm. me. It's, it's one K in a straight line. And then you turn around and you come back and it's always swimmable, but it just, it's kind of green in color. And I like, I like to see things. I like to go places and literally that one, you're just going back and forth and that's, the all want to beat swim club. And because like I said, I disliked it so much. They made me president of it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> It's really, it started out with just myself, Stefan Reinke, Hudson Slay and, and, and Bill Godding and Bill's Bill's in the Hawaii swimming hall of fame for, for, for just swimming all the Hawaiian channels for the most part, except for a couple. Mm. And, you know, he's, he, he's a legend in the sport along with Linda Kaiser and being influenced by, by these people and seeing them uh, take on these channels and these, these these other events i just kind of naturally transitioned into that and then myself and stefan really have this healthy unhealthy relationship going on <laughs> where i can't let him swim more than me he can't let me swim more than him like this morning i had to get out a little bit early and he swam a little bit extra just to just to piss me off and right. you know that's the kind of friends we are and so from that kind of led to um doing these, doing these channels. And so that's, that's where I end up today. And now it's now that I, I've done a handful of them and I, I consider myself uh, more of a country club channel swimmer or marathon swimmer in that I, I'm a tropical person. I like warm water. I like clear water. I don't know how the Sarah Thomas is, how you, how these, these other swimmers endure the cold water. And everyone says they enjoy it. I just don't get it. <laughs> I, it's, I will wear a wetsuit in Hawaii. One of my goals this year was not to wear a wetsuit through the winter. And I made it. But yes. I'd be lying say I wasn't freezing. And <laughs> yeah. these people who, who do these cold water swims, I don't know how, how they do it. But it, and it's just not something that we'll get a chance to experience here in Hawaii. Right. I definitely has has made an effort to go outside of Hawaii and he's done scar and he's I done know, yeah. and wet and some other things. And I don't, I, I literally don't know how you swim in 50 degree water. It gives me an extreme <laughs> headache. I've had those experiences in Ironman, but you're fully kitted up with a wetsuit and right. the whole nine yards and I'm still cold. Yeah. So it's, I, I I'm fascinated by, by that, that aspect of it, but I don't know that I'm, very interested in it. That's why I call myself more of a country club marathon swimmer. Oh, I, I like, I like, I like the warm, com yeah, the warm, comfortable waters of Hawaii where it's clear and you see things. So, and you grew up in Hawaii, yeah? Actually, I did not. I oh, grew up in okay. California. So okay. both my parents are from Hawaii, but okay. my dad taught at uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in California, and as such, I, um, uh, I went through my high school years there, a couple of years of college. I, I swam, I surfed, I did all that there, but we spent a significant amount of time in Hawaii because all the family is here. And for me, I, that, that experience in Hawaii gave me enough knowledge to know that I really liked the water in Hawaii. So as soon as I truly had an opportunity, I, I bailed and, and, and moved to Hawaii and I've been there ever since. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a warm water person. I don't think you can get me back into the California waters to surf again if the waves are great. It just, it, it, the warm water is just so much more enjoyable to me. That's good. That's so, good. It's good to know yeah. that about yourself. No, no, I'm, like I said, country club, <laughs> uh, warm, comfortable swimming. That, 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 that's, that's kind of my thing. So, 
I love it. When did you start? Um, so, so there was the heart thing. You did some triathlon recovering. <laughs> did you have any trouble with, have you had trouble with your heart since the open heart surgery? Or anything? Oh, well, actually I have. And that came about maybe about 10 years later. Mm. I was training Ironman. I was, I was, I was starting to have issues again. Um, my heart was a little irregular. I was, I was feeling just more, more fatigued than I think that I should have been feeling, even though I was training for long distance events. Mm-hmm. And so ended up getting a, 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 another really thorough checkup and, and they sent me off to Stanford for a week. And, and I actually set the record, the VO2 max record at um, the Stanford's heart lab. Oh, so really? I was super proud of and what they, they, the doctor told me that said, Oh, you have the highest VO2 max of this lab. And I said, Oh, Oh, that's great. That's awesome. He's like, yeah, but this is, this is the cardiac lab and, and uh, uh, the geriatric lab. So don't, don't feel too good about it. So, but they, so they did, they did VO2 max. They did all these blood workups. I had a full MRI for, I, it was almost two hours in that thing. It was miserable. But in the end, what they found was that um, to get to the heart, the heart's surrounded by um, um, uh, your pericardium, which is a fluid filled sac. And they, you have to cut through the pericardium to get to the heart. And as such, what happened was at, during the healing process, that pericardium had deflated and actually touched my heart. And so anytime things in, in your body, foreign objects or foreign things in your body touch one another, um, bone starts to grow, fiber, fibers start to grow, and then bony growths happen. Okay. So as such, my pericardium is starting to, essentially, they, they, they call it um, stone heart where the pericardium starts to um, uh, calcify and it causes some restriction or constriction there. Cause you think about it, the pericardium being this fluid filled sac, your heart expands, it contracts, it expands, it contracts. It allows for that motion, but now there's a hard stop on it. So wow. the heart expands so far, but they also did because it's, they, they said it was more common in, um, people who have had multiple heart surgeries or older already. Um, so they're not necessarily as athletic. It happened more often when polio was used to attack that virus used to attack the heart and cause mm-hmm. those type of issues, but not so much now. And so one of the hypotheses that, that they threw out there to me is that for me having an, an endurance background or an affinity for it, they kind of think that that is actually helpful to me because me forcing my heart to beat aerobically for long periods of time doesn't really allow my heart to rest that much and have these fibers build up and become calcified and bony growth. So if you look at an x-ray of my heart, you'll see quite a bit of white surrounding it, but it's, it's still okay for right now. Um, and those bony growths will continue. There's nothing I can do about it. And it's one of those things I've, I've chosen. I don't hide, but I chosen not to think about it just because it's, it's a limiter. There's nothing I can do about it. So it's one of those things where it's, I acknowledge it's there. I'm caught, I'm, I'm cognizant of it and I'm not reckless with it, but I try not to focus on it because if you focus on it, it, like I said, it's a limiter and it, it'll, it, what good does that do you? Right. So, yeah. But so you, that's you, where I stand now. And if you oh. just keep doing endurance sports, then that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I think so. At least that's what I'm going on until somebody, until somebody tells me different. So yeah. 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 Okay. So, and that was 10 years. You said you were in your twenties when you had your first open heart surgery. So yeah. thirties when you find out you have stone heart and then, and you just, when did you start like kind of pushing distances in the water? How about that? So distances in the water was again, the whole result of Stefan and then the group that I, I, I swam with, 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 with Bill Godding every year. He would, he's, he's done the Maui channel as a solo 21 straight years or something like that. And so Stefan would start to join him on those and Hudson also swam those as well. And we also had influences with, um, uh, from people like Linda Kaiser, who is, um, for, unfortunately passed away, but true, a true legend in the open water world in Hawaii and even in, inducted in the international swimming hall of fame. 
And so she was around to give advice and share stories and that sort of thing. And so when I, I, but I was still trying to be a triathlete and swimmers aren't meant to be runners, but that's a different story. And I just, <laughs> I, I tried, it just didn't work out, but I was still trying at that point. And, but I, I started swimming longer with these guys. We, we'd meet weekly and we'd start doing weekend swims. And then I, um, I ended up joining uh, the group to do um, Kolohi, which was my first channel. That's between Molokai and Lanai. And it's about all those channels around Maui. There's three of them are about 15 K on a straight line, mm -hmm. typically swim a little bit longer, 18 to 20 K ish, depending on the currents. Mm -hmm. But I joined them on one of those. And we, we, we do all these as tandems and multiple tandems beyond that. So sometimes four or five swimmers, we follow the channel rules. We don't draft that sort of thing, but we do it as a group share an escort boat. Mm -hmm. So I joined them on that and that kind of, that, that whole experience kind of blew my mind. And just the fact that it was possible to swim from one Island to another. And I found myself quite enamored with, um, just the deep blue water out there. And I can't say for any other channels because I don't swim the cold water channels, but in Hawaii, it's so blue and it's so mesmerizing, mesmerizing. It's, 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 I, I try to describe it to people and it's kind of like the Northern lights where you have these shafts of sunlight that are breaking through the surface and they penetrate as far as the eye can see. And with the surface moving, it creates this moving ship, uh, shape shifting pattern of blues below you that's just absolutely gorgeous and the only way i can get back there is to get back in the middle of the channel and so i didn't necessarily fall in love with channel swimming after that one but kind of i joined the group enjoyed it and i left it alone i want to say that was maybe i want to say it was like 2013 and in the meantime stefan had continued on doing more channels and he had done scar and he kept threatening to do Molokai or the Kaibi channel. And he kept trying to drag me into it. And like I said, I could never let Stefan swim more than me. And <laughs> that's how it, it's, yeah, I can never let Stefan swim more than me. We always joke, but it's kind of true where when we used to race, it didn't matter how many people were in the races, you either got first or you got last, either he won or I won and the other person lost. And that's the type of relationship that was there. So in the end, he, he kept talking about it, kept talking about it, kept talking about it, would drag me a little bit further along the continuum every time. And so literally my next channel after that one, and I really didn't have a ton of experience was Kaibi. And we, he finally, 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 finally got me to do that. And um, it was more just to placate him. And so he would stop bothering me about it. <laughs> and... Yeah, but we, we train for it. And, and I think most endurance athletes really find um, joy or, or comfort in the journey and the training aspect of it. And I kind of fell into that rhythm and I really, I found myself enjoying that. And it was a new frontier and something I wasn't sure that I could complete. And that was, that was very interesting to me as well. So yeah, we trained for it and um didn't really didn't know what we were doing to be honest with you but we had some we had some people that had done it before like bill godding linda kaiser we asked a lot of uh, a lot of questions advice and both of us had endurance backgrounds from full distance triathlon so we were we were very cognizant of 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 how to fuel yourself and hydrate and that sort of thing so that kind of gave us a bit of a uh an edge or a benefit there and yeah we gave it a we gave it a try and we we had to try twice. I'm, I'm sure Stefan probably told you about that. Um, but the first time we went out and uh, uh, swam it and, and it was a great experience for about halfway. And then after that, uh, we had a, a friend come and visit us. We had a, we had a nice size tiger shark that, that, that picked us up right after, right after it became daylight and wouldn't leave us alone, trailed us for quite a long time kept doing loops around us kept doing loops around us every time it disappeared we'd keep swimming and if you glance back all of a sudden it was right behind us and it was like one of those things in the in the side view mirror of a car because it kept getting closer 
Mm-hmm. Every time we found it, it was behind us and it was closer. And after a while, it got super curious and it was buzzing right past us. And I think I was swimming with myself and another, uh, or with, with Stefan and um, another guy, Mark Williams. And the comf- it was starting to get a little bit uncomfortable because it kept getting more and more curious with us. And mm-hmm. at one point in time, we were just treading water and um, Mark said, that's, that's it, I'm out because it did buzz right by us. And Stefan made the decision too. And so that was it. Our swim kind of ended right there. And we, I was still in the water because I'm kind of fascinated by sharks and I was just watching it. And it's late, this last approach to us came, I was right next to our kayak. And it came up to probably within an arm's distance of me before finally, you know, before veering off and dropping underneath us again, I assume, assuming it was going to make another, another pass, but it was about the size of our kayaks. It was, it was, it was a sizable, it was a sizable tiger shark. And, Mm -hmm. um, knowing what I know now, I might not have gotten out of the water because I think it was just curious and might've, might've left us alone. But at the same time, uh, better safe swim another day but funny funny story about that though is so we our escort kayaker is this guy chris gardner he's a uh, ex-professional surfer um all-around waterman really is now commits his time helping others achieve their goals so really really good guy he's an emt real overly prepared with everything and he's on the kayak and he whips out this this the shark comes right by and buzzes us right right next to the kayak and he whips out a can of shark repellent have you ever heard of something like that no. mm. Tell me okay. but shark repellent and it's a spray can of shark repellent and he hands it to me here's here spray this at the shark and so just not thinking, cause you're, you're kind of in the, in the experience of the moment right there. I, I pull the cap off this thing and I go charging off underwater and I'm spraying this can of shark repellent at this shark as it's retreating away from me. I'm like, and I, I kind of come to my sense and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? But yeah, so apparently there, there's shark repellent out there and a, it's putrefied shark blood in an aerosol can that is supposed to, I don't know, turn sharks away, I don't know, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I, I, I thought to myself, here I am in the middle of the ocean chasing after a <laughs> shark with a little spray can of thing that when you depress it underwater, it doesn't exactly spray out very far, it's me swimming through it. So that was our first, that was our first attempt. Okay. That was our first attempt. You know, we, we got halfway across maybe a little bit more ended up getting on the boat going home and that was our first attempt and I just it didn't sit well with me that's the only thing I've ever not completed before uh it was it just it ate at me because I I know how much we prepared and I didn't necessarily want to go through that again and we had the fitness we just and we live in Hawaii we can do this anytime Mm-hmm. so Stefan had committed this was the weekend before the Maui relay when we had tried this and he had committed to do the Maui relay and I I said okay off you go go ahead and do that stuff but in the in the meantime a couple of days had passed and I went no, you know I want to take another stab at this because I'd like to get it done while we still have the fitness and uh, found a boat pilot uh found a window and it was literally the day after um uh, the Maui channel relay. So Stefan was already committed to swimming with, with Bill Godding and some others, um, to race that. So he went over there, raced that I grabbed him or he flew back, grabbed him. We flew to Molokai and then we, 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 we swam at 6 PM the next, uh, the next day and, and, and actually had a successful crossing on that one. So, um, yeah, was fortunate. I felt very, very fortunate to, uh, that it all came together and, and mother nature and all the elements and everything else uh, allowed us to, to get across that channel. So it was, a, did, it was a cool experience. How did it feel to complete that? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, it was, there was a whole lot of relief there and it was, I didn't have enough experience in swimming channels to, uh, there is this, 
because that shark showed up the first time when we kind of thought we were safe, when you make it through those nighttime hours and then the sun shining on you, all of a sudden there, there's a little bit more, I don't know about you, but it, it's a little bit more comfortable and you feel a little bit safer. And so when the shark visited us in the daytime hours and the, the, the first time around, I just kept thinking this could happen to us again, any of those, any of the daylight hours. So you never know that, 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 that swim could come to an end in a heartbeat. I think physically Stefan and I talked about this afterwards, but we could have kept swimming and mm -hmm. it was not so weird. So we were, we were trained well, we paced it well, we obviously got our nutrition right. We could have kept swimming, swimming, but mentally I was fried. I was mm -hmm. yeah. to be up overnight and to, to, I, I don't know what it's like to do a true solo because I've always done it in tandem with somebody. Maybe it might be different, but because there's somebody else next to me, not only am I worrying about myself, but I'm also very, very much so worrying and paying attention to the other person and kind of assessing what Stefan doing, you know, how's he swimming? What's it look like? Is, is, am I struggling? Is he struggling? That sort of thing. And that kind of engagement throughout the whole thing, I, I think it wore on me mentally. So at the end I was mentally, mentally, I was done, but physically could have kept going with the currents being the word, the way they were that day, we got it on an absolute glassy day with no wind. Wow. And in retrospect, looking back at it, I think a little bit of wind helps because it keeps you online. I mean, we ended up being at the mercy of the currents and our line looked more like an Eng English channel line where <laughs> you have the big swoops and, and you could see where the current took us way North and then way South. And we ended up swimming close to 60 K that day and had no, and one of the things I remember very distinctly in our second attempt is we got about halfway through the channel. We got pulled out the last time uh, when we, when we encountered the shark and we were four hours behind where we were previously. So we were just, it, we, it, the, the currents, everything else was just completely different. Yeah. Um, but, you know, fortunately we, our, our mindset was good and physically we were, we were, we were on top of our game. And, and like I said, we were fortunate to, to get through it. Cause I think a lot of these things, it's, it's, it's less about the, um, your physical ability, more about your mental mindset. And then equally in equal parts, it's more about mother nature. Mm -hmm. Are they, yeah. it, is the channel going to have the conditions to allow you to pass that day? Cause even the best swimmers can get stymied by currents or critters or whatever else. And that's those, those variables that are out there that you just can't predict and you can't plan for. So right. yeah, we're fortunate. Yeah. Uh, good day. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you prepare for that kind of the mental challenges? Is there anything that you do to help yourself get ready? <laughs> I don't know that you, you really can get ready for, for one of those types of things. One, one, one thing I, I, I will, I will say, and I, I've learned that I think helps me personally is I find that there are a lot of people out there that, that come over from other endurance backgrounds to channel swimming and, they're fixated on time and distance and it's you can you can put yourself in a mental hole or a very bad place right there when you're fixated on time and distance mm -hmm. where you're trying to break a record or you are you expect to finish at this amount of time you can have an idea but that expectation because you can hold this pace for this long so therefore you should get out this time it doesn't work that way in channel swimming as you know so one of the things that, that I've always done, and if people ask me about it that are new, I advise them as well. It's like when you tow, tow the water's edge before your swim and you look to see where you're going, maybe you can see that other island, maybe you can't, maybe you can see the other shore, maybe you can't. But the only thing that should be going through your mind is I'm going to finish when I get to that other side. And that's it. It's very simple. It's mm -hmm. time doesn't matter distance doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. just I go from point A to point B. And if that is your mindset, then time and distance really don't matter because it's just that process of getting from point A to point B, going from feed to feed or however you like to approach it. And I think with that kind of mindset, I, I, that's what I thought when we, when we finished, when we did Molokai the second time, it's like, look, we're going to get, we're going to get to Oahu. And that's the only thing that matters as long as it takes, we're just going to get there. And 
ever since then, it's, it's the same type of mindset. I'm going to get from point A to point B. And if we get there really fast, great. If it takes us all day, that's fine too. The goal is to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my, my mental set on that, but I don't know that you can ever truly prepare for it mentally. You just kind of have to put yourself in it and see how you react. Yeah. I think for me, it took kind of having kids (laughs) and realizing like to get, what's that? Women are tougher than men. Uh, but like, just like, as I try to coach people through it too, you know, and you like that, if I talk to someone who's telling me how they're working on their pace and they're trying to, I mean, pace, like there's things, there's aspects of that that are important, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, it's like, for me, like what I've, what I've realized now that I have kids is like, I set aside a day to swim. The only thing I have to do that day is swim and, mm-hmm. and getting to the other side is my goal, but it was hard to keep that in perspective you know, sure. before having kids, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, and trying to train, teach people that um, to kind of, I call it now, it's like, it's like going beyond, you know, it's beyond the yeah. competition. It's beyond the, um, yeah. the. It's, it, it, it's, it's a different type of mindset for somebody who comes from a competitive background, because yeah. typically you want to get from what you're training to get from point A to point B as fast as you can. Yeah. And there it's, there are a lot less variables on the road and, in set distance events, each channel we swim has a set distance, but you never swim that distance. Exactly. Right. And so that's, it's, it's easier to approach it from, I'm just going to go from point A to point B and it just doesn't matter. You could swim twice as long, twice as long as you expect, but it's just that journey to get from point A to point B. And that helps me tremendously. And people who get too fixated on time and records and then they get frustrated by the conditions because the conditions aren't allowing them. They, they're, yeah. they might be fully, fully capable of swimming mm-hmm. the fastest time ever, but because the conditions are that day, even if they finish that swim, a lot of times they come away with it feeling like it's a failure right. and that's a bummer. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be, you should celebrate just the, the, journey. the accomplishment and, and yeah. <laughs> have some enjoyment in it. And your enjoyment shouldn't necessarily be tied to, I set a record. Yeah. And, but it's a different mindset. And it as is. you know, coming into this and you're coaching them because mm-hmm. a lot of the people I'm coaching, they're not, I don't coach them, but I, I, I I'll offer advice, but they come from a competitive background and it's kind of, it's kind of hard to get them to, to think of it differently. Yeah. I think of it more. It's like, for me, it's like it, I'm striving for the personal fulfillment, you know, like <laughs> in the personal, I guess it's the, yeah, it just becomes this much more personal game mm-hmm. of, of like, what can I do and seeing what my limits are and, and facing mm-hmm. down my demons when they come up in the middle of a channel, you know, it's yeah. more about, you know, and keeping your head straight through all that. Um, and, and, but yeah, yeah. it's a, yeah, absolutely. It's a can... fun journey. Like you said. Yeah. It's a, it's a journey. That's, I'm, you have to embrace it and hopefully enjoy it. If you don't, you might have one of these in, in you, maybe two, but you'll eventually kind of wander away from it. But if you do enjoy the journey, then it, it, I think it'll become a lifelong sport. And I think, I, I'm sure Stefan talked about this, but I think friends make that journey so much better too. And, and I, I always train in a group. I enjoy the group dynamic. And the more people that we can have swimming together, uh, the more fun it is. And that helps tremendously some of those okay cold mornings for for me (laughs) Uh, or some of those mornings where you're just a little lacking a little bit of motivation there's always somebody there who's going to get in first and start swimming and off you go and at at the end of it you always feel better so I love that that group dynamic as part of the journey and it just it just makes everything more enjoyable and that's part of what this should be is that it, it really should be fun Right. Yeah. There's not not really money in our sport. No. (laughs) It's, it's like you said, it should be enjoyable. You're seeing what your own personal limits are, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us about a swim that you're the most proud of? Hmm. So sure. But it's, so it's not necessarily marathon swim, but it was one of those, I, I entered the Waikiki rough water in 2003. I had a swimming background in the past. I probably hadn't swam in 15 years. I had, I had been surfing. I had 
dabbled with some local water polo clubs playing around there and having some fun. And I did this to the, with the Honolulu marathon too, but I just, I signed up. No, no, no business doing it. I've never, I had never done an open water swim, but I figured, you know, just what, what the heck I'll give it a go. And, um, blindly think to myself, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty decent swimmer. I can finish this on, you know, in an hour, under an hour, something like that. And 2003. I mean, the distance for that one. 2.4. Okay. That, that was actually the, the swim that was the original, that, that became part of the Ironman. That was the, mm-hmm. the swimming portion of it. That was the idea for the Ironman with the swim. They pulled the Waikiki rough water, the bike they pulled from Dick Evans bike race. And then, uh, the marathon was a whole new marathon. So those are the three events. So Waikiki rough water is kind of one of those iconic ones where a lot of people go to kind of test themselves on that. And I thought, boy, it's hundreds of people come out here and do this thing. I ought to be able to do it. So I just, I signed up, I entered it. I hadn't been training specifically. I didn't have any open water experience. Uh, I probably hadn't worn a Speedo in a few years and threw it on, went out. And the first I, I seated myself in wave A because I thought I was a fast swimmer, or at least I remembered in my high school days, I could hold my own, but I'm much older now. And um, sometimes the mind doesn't age as quickly as the body. And I went out there in 2003 was the year that they had to rescue, I think all, but about, I think six or 700 people. The the currents were so bad that people were getting sucked out and around past diamond head. And I remember sitting over the exact same piece of coral with the exact same humu or the state fish of Hawaii was just doing circles around it. And it took me probably 30 minutes to realize that, that's the same piece of coral. That's the same fish. And people were actually there. They, they set the course with buoys. And I remember approaching one of those buoys and seeing a line of people daisy chaining off those buoys. One person had the buoy, the person behind them had their feet, the person behind them had their feet. And it was probably like 10 or 15 people long. And they were just, they were rescuing people because I was swimming in place, but I was passing people because they were going backwards. Wow. Yeah. And I got to the finish line of that. And it, the only way I did is because I stayed in the water long enough uh, that the current actually subsided and I was actually able to make forward progress. But uh, it took me, I think, two and a half hours. And I've done that, that race as, as fast as 47 minutes. Oh, so wow. it, it was looking back at it. That's one of the ones I was most proud of as far as being as uh, persevering, persevering kind of in a, I had no business being out there at that mm. point in time and just was stubborn enough that just kind of stuck it out and made it to the finish. So I don't know. So more, more of that than anything else, just because I was, I was, I was younger and I was stupid and I was, I was thinking I was still a teenager and yeah. So that, that, that was quite an experience. And, but I don't know, sometimes people have those experiences and it odd, oddly, it motivates them and it motivated me. It's like, I'm going to go back and do that again. I can do it better next time. Whereas other people yeah. turn off, but I was one of those ones where it's like, ah, I, I got to try that again. And yeah, so that, that was, that was my first open water swim. Uh, I've heard that story recently and I wish I could remember who was telling it to me, like about the 2003 year. <laughs> well, it, was, it was unbelievable. And I, the, the buoys, the, the daisy chains off the buoy of people hanging off it and then seeing all basically Waikiki is full of boats. Oh, there's boats all over the place, but all the pleasure crafts and boats were literally kind of summoned to pluck people out of the water and boats had boats, little small 18, 20 foot boats would have 20, 30 people on them hanging off the sides. And wow. it was really quite, quite interesting. And yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was, that was a tough year for that one for sure. And then the next year, actually, the currents were very similar and they canceled it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, it was kind of a two year, two year tough stretch for the Waikiki rough water, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was my first experience with that. And I guess there's some level of stupidity there because I, I, I experienced that and I keep coming back for, for things like that. So uh, I refuse, I refuse to, I don't go with stupid a lot. Marathon swimmers keep trying to call themselves stupid, but now we're curious. We're curious people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, Stupidity is more the, the our our word we talk about a lot with within our group, and it's more yeah. than anything yes. else. Instead, of course, in love, but right. yes, it's, it's stupid if, if there there is one. But 
yeah so yeah that, what do you that think was it was cool. that day that you what how did you dig deep and just keep going versus grab onto the daisy chain or something i i don't know there there must be i i don't if i start something i i finish it and it's just something i've always done and i wasn't going to get out of the water they would they would have had to pull me out of the water so i just kept swimming and just kept and just stuck it out i i don't i don't know it's it's maybe i'm cheap and i wanted the shirt i figured if i enter <laughs> money i'm gonna go get the shirt i'm gonna finish it because i i paid so i i i'm not quite sure but i i maybe i'm just stubborn in that if i literally if i start something i'm gonna finish it or i'll, I'll I'll do everything in my power to finish it and, and knock on wood, except for that one instance in, in, uh, in Kaivi, I, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to get through it. So. Was that Waikiki Rough Water Swim before or after your heart diagnosis? That was after. So was after it? my, I, when I, when I had my heart surgery, my first one, uh, I wasn't unhealthy, but I wasn't, I didn't have as active a lifestyle. And at that point in time, I had a wild hair to see if, see if I could bench press 300 pounds. So I was gaining weight and I weighed about 225 pounds, which I'm, I naturally sit maybe around 160, 165, somewhere around there. And I just kind of through that whole process with the heart surgery and six months to diagnose, don't get your heart up or heart rate up. I just kind of turned to mush. And I really didn't like that feeling. And when I made that promise to myself about challenging myself mentally and physically every day, when I was able to return to uh, activity, I started becoming uh, a little bit more programmed with what I did as far as working out my diet and that sort of thing. And that led me to paddling, which led me to from regatta season, which is short distance stuff to long distance stuff where we paddle Molokai channel. And then I entered the marathon on a whim and then I entered Waikiki rough water on a whim and, but it just kind of progressed from, from there. So, uh, it's, it, it, it was after the, the heart surgery and it was just kind of along that progression where I was pushing my limits a little bit out further and further each time mm -hmm. and kind of learning about myself a bit and, and losing weight, getting more fit and, and enjoying the, the benefits of that. How do you compare across the, all the kind of different endurance sports you've done and paddling across channels? And how do you kind of compare, where does, how does swimming, how do they all compare to each other? Like as far as. That's an interesting question. Um, well, they all have their different cast of characters and <laughs> it's, there are certain things that I think you are familiar and you would find, um, you know, cross all the boundaries on that. But there are very different personalities with them as well. I mean, with the full distance triathlon or triathlon scene, it is straight up type A goal oriented. I want to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. Let me buy the fastest bike I can. Let me buy the best gear I can. But there's an endurance component. So there's that buried underneath all the other racing aspect of it. And so there's that endurance component there. Um, paddlers paddling, that was a really interesting experience. My real first experience going across Kiwi and doing a, a five, six hour event, even though when you paddle the channel in a six man, you're doing, you're constantly, you, you, you're in a six man, but you have a crew of nine. So you're constantly changing in and out three paddlers and throughout the, throughout the channel. So you don't paddle the whole way, but that was an experience in and of itself. And as such, there's probably less of an endurance component of it, but there's still that team camaraderie aspect of it. Um, so that to me was, was just fun. It was an experience into the endurance world, but not necessarily too endurance based. The triathlon was the, it was very endurance based, but also very type A. And then you have the, the swimmers, which at least the, the group that I'm around, it, it's, there is less emphasis on the speed, more emphasis on having fun and enjoying the, the, um, the, the process and the journey and celebrating the accomplishments when you finish. And I think it's, it's, it's a healthier environment to be around long-term with that kind of, with that kind of, I don't know, that kind of mindset, I think the triathlete mindset it's, and I still, 
I still coach triathletes as, as well. Um, so I still am involved in that with some aspect, but I really like the endurance world. And I really like one of the common themes I notice when, when you interview people is how everyone talks about the endurance swimming world and how friendly everyone is and okay. how open and welcoming and willing to share information about how to approach something, what nutrition, what sunscreen, how to do things. Triathletes keep that a little bit more guarded. Um, it, it's just a different experience, but in, in the open water swimming world, it's just, it's, it's, it's very welcoming. I think one of the things that does hold true over any of these sports that I've done is that when you do it, whether you're fast or slow, there is at least a level of mutual respect there mm. because if you finish, you know what the other person has gone through and you know, the journey that they took to get there, they, they had to train, they had to suffer, they had to make some sacrifices. So there's that mutual level of respect. I think in triathlon that gets buried under the competitiveness of it, but in swimming, I think that's embraced a lot more. And I really, really like that aspect of it. Um, it's, I, yeah, I think it's a very healthy place uh, to be uh, within that group. And I, I yeah, I, I enjoy that aspect of it tremendously. What have you learned about yourself through marathon swimming? <laughs> uh, it has to be fun. And it's, um, I've learned that my limits are self-imposed. Mm right? It's, it's, you don't know what you, what you can do until you actually go out there and, and test and push those limits. And, but at the same time, there has to be an element of fun to it. And so that's why I like the group dynamic so much. We, like I said, I always do tandems and I always swim in groups and the people who go out there and do long miles by themselves in the cold, in the dark, so just, I, I, there has to be some enjoyment there for it. And I, that's why I'm fascinated to listen to some of the people that you talk to, because it's, it's a different mindset, but you know, I've just, I've learned a lot about myself through this and that really truly the, the limits are self-imposed. And if I, if I wanted to swim longer, I'd like to think I could, I mean, I finished Kaivi after around 60 K and nearly 20 hours when we were thinking we we're hoping to be done a lot sooner, but I finished mm -hmm. feeling physically fine. So, but I don't know that it would be fun to swim that much longer. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, yeah. that, that's really what it, what it comes down to is, is would it be fun? Would it be interesting? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's gotta be that component of fun for me. I gotta, I gotta have some enjoyment out of it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you, advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Uh, find the, find, find people, go out and ask questions of find people, find swimmers and, kind of immerse yourself in the community again that that group will make things so much easier because if you find a group that that has some experience or has some aspirations to do it you don't have to think as much you don't get in in your own head you just show up and you do it and eventually you get dragged along with it next thing you know you're in the channel that's what happened <laughs> and then you you then you transition to being a little bit more planned with it and you can help other people but um find a group. It, it makes things so much better. Find people you swim well with and just find some enjoyment in it. And then for us, a lot of times we go out and we, we, we swim and, and I, I'm, I'm looking for things. I'm not necessarily swimming or training, but I'm looking for, for critters and dolphins and neat things to see and, and whatever else that I can come across. And that's, I, I forget about the time and the distance. And I think if you, if you approach it that way and you go out for a swim versus, oh, okay, I've got to do a three hour swim today. It's got to do a 10 K swim today. I got to do this kind of thing. I've, I've just, just swim to this point and see what's around it. Maybe, maybe get somebody to swim a little bit further and oh, let's see what's around that point. Let's, let's try this. And next thing you know, you're, you're at 10 K and it, it, it didn't feel like this programmed hard slog of an effort as, as like a 10 K in a pool would. And, and that go out, have an adventure and find the right people and, and you'll have a great experience with it. But I also think to, to, to ask a lot of questions and, but take everything with a grain of salt because everyone's got an opinion. Everyone has, but it's great to know the different angles and aspects and how different people approach things, but know that how you do it is your own. 
and have to have enough self-confidence in there to take all these things and, and experiment with it and then create your own plan and do that versus I'm going to do what this person did because they did this in the fastest time. It just, it doesn't work that way. You got to figure out what works, what works best for yourself. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, just find the right group. And then when, it, then if you find yourself towing, towing the water's edge right before a channel swim, just remember you only swimming from point A to point B. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Doesn't matter how, how, how much distance it is. You're just going from point A to point B. Those yeah. are those are probably the things I'd recommend. That's good advice. <laughs> Who, who's inspired you? Oh, there's, there's been lots of people. I, I think I'm, I believe I'm required to say Stefan. <laughs> That's one of the things, but he is, he's been a mentor and an inspiration to me. Seeing him do these things kind of helped me realize what's possible. And again, it's one of those instances where I would tag along and follow the next thing I'm doing. You know, I, I, oh, I swam a 5k or I swam a 10k and you just kind of fall into it. Um, the other people that I, that I swim with as well, I mentioned like, uh, Bill Gotting and Linda Kaiser. Um, and then there's also another, we, we, we've, one of the things I enjoy doing is try and recruit people or, or uh, bring people to swim with us and kind of have them experience, uh, this as well. And, um, we've had a couple of, uh, of people that have stuck in, uh, one of them is, is Marcus Gutman. He's, he's the university of Hawaii assistant coach for swimming, he grew up a pool swimmer and has stuck with it. And, and, uh, this past summer, uh, last summer, I should say, we, we, we swam Kalakahi, which is between Kauai and, uh, Niihau. And that was his first true, it was a 30 K plus swim. That was his first true, really long, long channel on that one. And he went to some deep, dark places. I mean, you could tell he was suffering, but he stuck it out and he worked his way through it. And, you know, effort inspires me and that, that seeing things like that helped keep me going. And then another woman that we swim with Lefty Altman, who was a, I, she won Ironman Boulder overall for the first female, I mean, top level triathlete, NC2A swimmer, um, was training for triathlon one day and was hit head on by, by someone who was drift racing and has endured the last several years of multiple surgeries, hospital stays, literally doesn't have a knee anymore on the right side. Everything is mechanical, just went through another surgery again, but he came from a swimming background and Stefan and I had told her in the hospital, I said, we're going to, we're going to drag you out and, and you're going to come swim along with us. And while she's never actually agreed to swim a channel with us, mm-hmm. she has found herself swimming a couple channels with us where um, she swam ah with us one time and um, she, which is between Maui and Lanai, that's the Maui channel relay. And then, then we, we brought her along and she did uh, Kalakahi with us too. So she's, she did a 30 K plus channel with us, but her story and, and her, her, her recovery and her resilience. I mean, she, she, she got dealt a bad hand on this one and, but her mindset and approach to things and the, the lack, uh, or, or the, she just, she won't go, she won't let herself feel sorry about herself. She, she just constantly just deals with what she has in front of her and makes the best of it. And when you swim with people like that, it's really hard to complain or hard to, uh, hard to feel sorry for yourself. And so you look at Lecti and she's dragging a leg because she has no, <laughs> she has, she, she can't really kick. And it's like, okay, I, I, I just, I just need to keep going and shut up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's swimming with, with people like that. And again, this might pitch for the whole group, the, the group dynamic is that, can find inspiration on everyday basis within that, within that group. And, and it will really truly help the enjoyment aspect of it and help you swim longer. So. Yeah. I just love that. I want to come swim with you guys so bad. <laughs> uh, I really hope you do. And like Stefan said, that summer swim is, is that'll be a fun one. So yeah. definitely come join us if you can. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Ryan. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of the Intrepid Water Accountability Group? We'll support and encourage each other on a private chat platform, pursue monthly challenges both in the water and on land, and meet virtually once a month to dive deep on a topic. 
If you'd like to join a group of like-minded limit pushers from around the globe, join the Intrepid Water Accountability Group. Find out more at intrepidwater.com.